Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me on this Monday broadcast. And I'm excited about another week to come to you and share some exciting things uh, with you. And we just came off a discipleship weekend. And I don't know if you have a personal devotional time with your family, but I would highly recommend it. And a book that might help you with this endeavor is called The One Year Family Devotions. One Year Family Devotions. And uh, this is uh, by Tyndale Publishers, and it's got 365 devotionals. And there's actually kind of six segments to this devotional. So I just wanted to do this with you quickly today in the broadcast, just to give you an opportunity maybe to try this. And again, the name of the uh, publication, The One Year Family Devotional. This is volume one that I have. It is 365 stories that apply the Bible to our lives. So there's a reading section. So that would be point number one. You're going to spend some time with your family. And by the way, you can do this with a couple. Get your spouse with you. Uh, If you have a friend you want to do it with, that'll work too. But you read the passage, Matthew 25, 34 to 40. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Well, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink, or a stranger, and show you hospitality? or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So the theme on this devotional reading is kindness. Be kind. So the first step is we're going to go ahead and read the passage. And then secondly, we're going to look at the key thought, which is kindness shown to the least of these. You know, when you're kind to somebody uh, who really can't repay that kindness, you are doing kingdom work. Uh, You are actually being kind to God. Now, this third part of the study or the devotional is a a story, and I want to read this story to you. Jenny didn't have many friends and sometimes got into trouble at school. Heather decided to show God's love to Jenny by being kind to her. With her mom's permission, Heather invited Jenny to come over for pizza. After dinner, they had fun putting each other's hair up in French braids and hair clips. Oh, look, you have glitter hair gel, Jenny said, spotting a shiny tube on the sink. May I try some? Sure, said Heather, handing her the shining tube. By the time Jenny went home, Heather felt good inside because she'd been kind. But then she noticed her hair gel was missing. After searching for it in all the places that the the girls had been, Heather suspected that Jenny had taken it. Mom, how could she steal from me, even though I was kind enough to invite her over? Mom put her arm around Heather. That's a risk we take when we're kind to others. But don't let other people who take advantage of you rob you of the joy of being kind to them. You see, when we're kind to another person, it's as though we're being kind to Jesus. What about my hair gel? Well, let's pray for Jenny right now, Mom said. We'll pray that if she did steal your gel, her conscience will hurt and she'll confess. 
Then call her and tell her you're missing it. Ask if she has it. If she confesses, thank her for being honest. If she denies it, let it go. We'll keep on praying for her. What a wonderful story, isn't that? Uh, you may have encountered something like that in your own life. So after you've read the story, there's a couple of discussion questions that you would share. And you would say, hey, have you ever experienced something like that? Where you were kind to somebody, and instead of them being kind in return, they stole something from you. I remember not too long ago, I was leading the Celebrate Recovery Ministry at the prison, uh, St. Bride's Correctional Center. We were having a wonderful time, and uh, I had a guy that came and said, hey, I'd like to be involved, and is there something that I could do? And I said, well, sure, I, I've got a, a thing that you can help me with. Uh, you can help me run the, the PowerPoint slides. And so I gave him a remote control, and I showed him how to use the control to move the slides ahead as we moved ahead in the lesson. Well, everything was going great. He enjoyed it so much, uh, and he had such a wonderful time doing it. We got done, and he thanked me for the opportunity to be involved and to be involved with helping out with Celebrate Recovery. Well, I was putting the equipment away, and as I was putting the equipment away, I grabbed that remote control, and I said, you know, uh, this remote control feels a little light. And uh, I tried to put the screen up because the same remote control also not only runs the... Um, the computer and the projector, but also puts the screen up and down. And I tried to click it to put the screen up and it wasn't working. And I said, let me look at this thing. And I took the back off where the batteries are. And wouldn't you know it, the batteries were gone. That inmate who enjoyed so much fun and being involved took the batteries. And so anyway, I went to him and I got the batteries and we got it resolved. Uh, but I was a little disappointed that my kindness and allowing somebody to be involved with what we were doing was taken advantage of. When I thought about that, I guess I could say I kind of felt like Heather felt when her friend perhaps took the gel. Uh, her friend took advantage of her. But I am reminding myself, and I hope that you will learn this lesson as well. It took me a little while to learn it personally. But as I'm kind to somebody else, I am kind to them. Not because people are kind to me or not because I'm going to receive kindness in return. I am kind to others because Christ has been so kind to me. Oh yeah, people will take advantage of you. And I'm not saying you walk around with a kick me sticker on your back, but you got to realize that we are highly flawed individuals. All of us are sinners who fall short of the glory of God. And if we're honest, every single one of us from time to time, take advantage of the kindness of God. We kind of squander the kindness of God and, and we, uh, we don't pay it forward. And so I would encourage you today, to get this devotional book, The 365 Devotions to One-Year Family Devotion. Well, I told you there's six parts to this. Part number one is we read the text. So we read Matthew 25, 34 to 30. We look at the key thought, which would be be kind. And the devotional actually has a picture of a key on a keychain with the key thought on it is to be kind. And be kind regardless of what kind of response you will get. Some people don't know how to respond to kindness. Some people have been run down and beat down for so long, they have no idea how to respond in kindness. All they know how to do is respond in bitterness. But I promise you that if you're kind to people long enough, uh, with time, the Holy Spirit will take your kindness because kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will eventually use your kindness to soften the heart of that person who is most bitter. And then the third part of the devotional is you read the story. And then the fourth part is you ask questions about it. And they give you a series of questions. 
Here's question number one. Do you show kindness without expecting anything in return? Or are you giving kindness with strings attached to it? Well, I'll be kind to you if there's something in return for me. Here's the second question. Do you share things uh, with others? You know, I taught my children when they were real young to be very good at sharing. Now, that was a hard lesson for them to learn, right? And I think one of the benefits of having multiple children is that they learn how to share. Uh, They're forced to kind of learn how to share. Now, that doesn't promise you your your kids will not be selfish. I know some people that are in a very large family and, and and perhaps are more selfish because they felt like all my life I had to share with my siblings. And by golly, when I'm old enough not to have to share with them and I'm on my own, I'm not gonna share anymore. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. But in most cases, as we learn to be kind and to share with others, it is like a muscle that gets stronger and stronger and stronger. We learn to hold on to things loosely and to offer up kindness because it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Be ye kind. We are expected to be kind. We are equipped to be kind. We are empowered to be kind. You see, sometimes people will take advantage of our kindness, but that shouldn't stop us from being kind. If you want to be like Jesus, be kind and be generous no matter what. So that's the question segment. So you're going to read the text with your family or with your spouse or with a friend. You're going to look at the key thought. You're going to read the story. You're going to ask questions to think about the Bible passage that you've read. And then you're going to memorize the verse. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There it is. Uh, So it is a fruit of the Spirit. So when you're born again, God gives you the seed of kindness. Our job is to allow that seed to grow in our lives. I don't know about you. I don't want to grow old and be old and bitter, right? You ever meet an old, bitter person? They get cranky and they get miserable the older they are. Well, I hope that I get sweeter with time. I hope that I get kinder with time because I'll have more years of walking with the Lord. I'll have more opportunities to experience the kindness of my Lord and Savior. And I've discovered something else. As we're kind to people, sometimes the person that we're kindest to may not return that kindness, but God makes sure that our kindness is rewarded. Oftentimes, He does it with other people. I'm so thankful for my church family. They are so kind to me and so patient with me, and I'm so glad that I have a congregation that is patient and kind with their pastor. Isn't that a cool thing to be part of a family where they overlook some insignificant things, right? Uh, They realize that sometimes I misspeak. I don't know if you have ever had that problem. You know, if you talk a lot, uh, sometimes you'll say Peter when you meant to say Paul. Uh, Sometimes you invert your words, and you don't mean to do it, but it just happens. I'm so thankful that I have the kindness of people who will overlook those shortcomings. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean it excuses sins, but it realizes that people make mistakes. People fall short. And so instead of exploiting them in their weaknesses, they cover over those weaknesses. You know, when you really love somebody, that's what you do. If I really love my wife, and I do, I try not to exploit her weaknesses, right? I could point out her flaws, and I could tell everybody about the shortcomings she has, but what good is that going to do? She already knows those weaknesses, 
I already know those weaknesses. And by the way, she knows all of my shortcomings, but she doesn't exploit those. She realizes that God has wired me the way I'm wired, and she loves me in spite of my shortcomings. You know, as I think about loving somebody, when you really love somebody, you protect them. You protect them in their weaknesses. You compensate for their weaknesses. I've discovered being married for quite a few years that opposites always attract in a marriage. Isn't that how your marriage is? You married somebody who is polar opposite of you. I mean, after all, if you're a morning person, your spouse is probably not a morning person. If you're a type A personality, your spouse is probably not a type A personality. If you're one that is able to be real mechanical and put things together, you probably married somebody who uh, can't put things together. Why does that happen? The old expression, opposites attract, right? Well, I found out uh, that not only do opposites attract, but after you get together a little while, then opposites sometimes attack, right? We attack one another. And usually we attack one another in the areas of their weakness. The thing that attracted us to them is the very thing that we will attack them over. So when I do pre-marriage counseling, I always get the couple together and I ask them to do an assignment for me. I ask them to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, as they read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I ask them to read it seven times over the course of seven days. And then I get together with them after those seven days and we review 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, as they're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there is a tendency to look at your intended spouse and ask, well, do they have these qualities? Are they patient? Are they kind? Love keeps no records of wrong. Do they uh, fit up to that definition of love that's given us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? So I, I encourage them. I said, well, fight that urge to try to apply this passage of Scripture to somebody else. Apply it to yourself. Ask yourself, am I patient? Am I kind? Do I keep no records of wrong? And then I ask them to put a list of 10 reasons why they want to marry their spouse. 10 reasons, and I can't, you can't use the same one 10 times over, okay? You can't say, well, I love him, I love him, I love him 10 times. No, you, you got to really think about this, right? Because love is a decision. And if you are basing your decision to love somebody on good, solid rationale, then you will discover that love will be able to cover the multitudes of shortcomings. And so I have them put that list together. And then I keep that list. I keep a file with their name on it. And I always tell the couple when they finish up their pre-marriage counseling with me, and I generally do the wedding ceremony, I tell them, I said, now, in the future, when you have trouble, and I said, not if you have trouble, I said, when you have trouble, right? You will have trouble in your marriage. Uh, you can't help but have trouble. Somewhere along the line in your marriage, something's going to come that's going to rock that marriage to its very core. Now, it's something that you can't anticipate. It's something that is not expected. You really can't plan for it, but I promise you it's going to happen. It's around the bend. Somewhere along your marriage, there's going to be something that happens. That's why when we give the marriage vows that we're to love each other for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I've learned that as you get married, man, there's a lot of times of sickness, right? Uh, there's a lot of times of being poor. When my wife and I were first married, 
We were so poor, we lived on Kraft macaroni and cheese. Now, we didn't even get the Kraft brand, right? That's how poor we were, because you could get the Food Line brand. Uh, you get those five for a dollar, where Kraft was four for a dollar. So I got the old Food Line brand, because I got an extra box of macaroni and cheese. We were so poor that if we got a drink together, we would share it, right? We didn't have enough money to buy two drinks, and so we would buy one sweet tea, and give me two straws, and we'll share our sweet tea. Uh, we lived on hot dogs and, and uh, whatever was an inexpensive way to eat. And I remember when we were students, uh, I was in seminary, we would go to Taco Bell, right? And Taco Bell had 99-cent burritos on sale. And so we'd go to Taco Bell, get two burritos and one large tea. We would share the sweet tea and, and then have those burritos together. Those are times that we had no money, right? Those were poorer times. But those times really brought us together as a couple. We refused to let that time divide us. Well, after they put together this list of 10 reasons why I'm marrying my spouse, I get them together and I tell them, as you're putting this list together, you can't compare notes, okay? Uh, You're going to do this individually, and then you're going to give me that list, and I'm going to bring you together as a couple, and I'm going to read what he says to her and what she says to him. We're going to go through those 10 things, and I tell you what, every time I do it, it is always a joyful and a tearful experience because you're learning why this person wants to marry you. So I hold on to those lists. And every time I see those lists, one person attracted to another person and their opposites. And I hang on to that list because that area that attracted you to somebody is the same area down the road that's going to be a source of conflict. And so I reminded them of that. I had a couple one time came back to me and the husband said they had been married a couple of years. And uh, the husband says, well, I'm really frustrated with my wife. I said, what is the major source of frustration? Well, she is so carefree and she doesn't plan things and she doesn't follow through with things. And, and her friends will call and she'll just drop everything in a New York minute to go hang out with her friends. I said, oh my, that sounds like a terrible dilemma that you have. I said, let me pull out the list that you had for your intended spouse before you got married. I looked on on the list, and wouldn't you know, one of the things that really attracted him to her was the fact that she was carefree. She would drop everything if he called her and says, hey, honey, you want to go get some ice cream? And she would say, sure. Didn't matter what she was doing. Didn't matter if she was with her friends. Didn't matter if she had something else going on. She was in sure. I'd drop everything. I would love to go with you and get some ice cream. Isn't it amazing how that worked out? What he loved about her, now he despised about her. Well, after I shared that with him and showed him on black and white where he had written that, he started laughing and he got the point. You see, love covers a multitude of sins. So as you think about having a devotional time with your family, the last part of the devotional is you will take that lesson and you'll pray. You pray with your spouse, you pray with your family. And a simple prayer with the lesson that we learned today would be a prayer of kindness. And maybe the prayer could go like this. You know, Lord, I really struggle being kind to those who don't deserve kindness. I love to be kind to those who are kind to me, but I find it really difficult to be kind to those who can't return my kindness. So, Lord, my prayer today would be that you would help me to be kind 
to the least of these, my brothers, to reach out and support them, even though I don't feel like they deserve it. They need my kindness. And may I realize that those who are most unkind are in most need of kindness. May I be that agent of kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a simple little prayer allows you to reach out in kindness. So one more time, the name of that devotional is the One Year Family Devotions, and this is a Tyndale-published devotional, and uh, you can pick that up. You can find it on Amazon, find it wherever they sell good books. Well, I hope that was a blessing to you. I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to begin our broadcast talking about how to have devotions. Well, we're going to look at Romans chapter 15, and uh, we don't have time to get too deep into the subject today, uh, but we're going to continue on tomorrow with this subject. We're talking about overflowing with hope. There's a missionary by the name of Dr. Eric McLaughlin. Uh, He was a missionary doctor to Burundi. Now, if you've never heard of the country of Burundi, uh, it's kind of right in the center of Africa, right? Now, the equator runs through the country of Burundi. It is probably the, the poorest country on the planet. Well, after years of this missionary doctor going and, and ministering and, and administering medical treatment uh, to these who are in this very poverty-stricken country, he was so discouraged. He said, one out of every seven of my patients die. It was hard for him to hold on to hope. He tells the story of Odette. Odette was a young woman who was hospitalized with terrible kidney failure. Well, Odette's family put their money together and decided to send her to a kidney specialist in the city. As they were looking at her condition, long-term dialysis was not an option. So Dr. McLaughlin wondered if the expense of such a trip would change anything for her. As a matter of fact, he writes, I fear to hope sometimes. My recent weeks have been filled with tragedies like Odette's. More than that, there had been several times when it seemed like someone was going to recover, but then they suddenly died. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. He says, that's exactly what I felt. My heart was sick. Well, amid his lament and his doubt, his phone rang. Dr. McLaughlin saw that there was a phone call from his friend, a former student, a former co-worker. Now he works at a hospital in the city. Here's how the phone call went. Good morning, doctor. I wanted to let you know that we have been caring for Odette. We have not been able to do much, but some fluids and careful observation have resulted in her kidneys returning almost to normal. We're sending her home today. I just thought you would want to know. Praise God. Not only was Odette healed, but I heard the news from someone I had helped train for his current job. You see, that good news arrived precisely when I was sitting there thinking about how afraid I was to hope. The idea that God was present was no longer theoretical. Now it was real, and now it was right there in the moment. You see, as I look at this revealing story, that doctor was filled with tearful joy, and not a small amount of fear could renew his hope. 
His hope was renewed in his relationship with Christ in refusing to give up hope. Well, maybe today you're at the end of your hope rope. (laughs) You have given up, right? Uh, You have decided to throw in the towel. Listen, hang in there. Many of you are going to be blessed on Tuesday, but you want to give up on Monday. Many of you, God wants to bring reconciliation to your marriage on Wednesday, but you're going to throw in a towel on Tuesday. Hang in there. Maybe you're not happy with your job. Well, hang in there. Maybe promotion is right around the corner, and you don't want to miss it because if you quit too soon, you're going to miss that opportunity to be able to be promoted. Listen, my God is able to give you that hope. Hope gives you the power to endure. I want you to join me tomorrow as we look at this subject deeper. I'm going to give you four reasons why I should be overflowing with hope. Romans chapter 15 is we'll be looking at that passage tomorrow. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Let me close with one verse. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. How by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with your spirit today so that we may overflow not only with hope, but with joy and peace as we trust you completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.